Hi, Annie. How are you? Good. How are you, Amy? It's great to see you. Uh, I'm so glad we could get together today for coffee and catch up on everything. Um, so, uh, you know, you have your own travel business, and I can imagine things have been different for you these past few months. So I look forward to hearing about what you've been doing and in, in, in the situation that we're in where the world is actually on lockdown, how do you run a travel company? So what has been going on for you? Wow, a lot has been happening. Um, we run culinary trips to Italy, Peru, Malaysia, and Japan. And we had trips scheduled for March, May, and later in this year, but it was becoming very apparent very early that we weren't gonna be able to travel at least in the spring, if not the whole year. Mm -hmm. And so we started postponing our trips um, and thinking about, you know, what does quarantine across the world <clears throat> look like for a travel company and how can we continue providing value and connecting people in the way that we normally do when we're able to go overseas or visit somebody in another country. And so early on in March, we decided to host virtual cooking classes that are interactive with our chefs in other countries. Awesome. Well, I know you, so I know the two things you love most in the world are travel and food, probably food, then travel. And, <laughs> and then maybe people are, are in third place. So I can see how you, um, under the restrictions of traveling, immediately pivoted and started to take your loves of food and people and bring people together through food. Um, what has that been like? What have, has been some of your experiences um, doing that? Yeah, it's been incredible because I think when we were solely a travel company, more or less, we were able to connect people across the world, but we had such small groups and such intimate settings. And it's definitely a more luxury service or product. And so we had a smaller segment of people that were able to provide value to through our connections. And the nice thing about the cooking classes, doing them virtually and being able to, you know, talk with the chef and cook with somebody in Italy or Japan gives wow. a wider audience to the ability to connect with different cultures and different foods, even from their own home. So I think that's been a really big joy for us to be able to expand our ability to create community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how you took a, a challenge, an entrepreneurial challenge, and you reached out to try to help others in the process of the struggle that you, you know, came upon, you know, some of your partners in these countries. Can you tell me about how, how they've experienced this, you know, like your friends in Italy and Peru and, and how these classes have helped them? Yeah, I would say, you know, it, it was a very scrappy beginning, but I think because of that, it, it created a lot of really goodwill. Um, we, because we're so close with a lot of friends in Italy and they locked down much earlier, I was having these conversations in mid-May or mid-March before it really became a big issue in the U.S. and before we realized that we would go into shelter in place as well. Mm -hmm. and so it was astounding to me from the very beginning to be listening to friends of mine in Italy who are tour guides, you know, restaurant chefs, 
uh, like owners of small shops and things like that, that they were like their businesses and their livelihoods were annihilated overnight. And although we could see that that might happen for us down the pipeline, I think what struck me was like these people had no way of making any income during that time. And so it's been nice to be able to provide some supplemental income for them. And the way that we've done it is at the time, we had no idea what to price a virtual cooking class at. And I mean, like it's a totally different service. Because you were making it up as you, as you were going, right? hundred percent. I was making phone calls to people asking like, what would you pay for this? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think anybody would participate? And we didn't know. And so the beauty of it was that the chefs that we work with across the world, when I asked them, Hey, would you be interested in this? They said, and what can I pay you? They said, let's just see whether or not it works. Let's, let's experiment. And if it works, then we'll figure out the money. And at that point, it was very clear to me that if they were going to assume this risk with us, we would like them to ride the rewards as well. And so a, a 50% of the proceeds go directly to the chefs and the model on the consumer side is that it's pay what you can. So people from a lot of different walks of life can still participate and have exposure to these amazing home cooks and chefs who are sharing their family recipes. That is so incredible, Annie. How inspiring. Thanks. That is um, so cool. I love it. And I know you, so I know that you're scrappy and you figure things out. One of my fondest memories is working with you on the community project for um, Mary McClinton home when we uh, renovated the house and both of us weren't very qualified to, to do construction. So I think um, they put us on the garbage committee or something. <laughs> but I have fond memories of you and I and Rochelle sitting down after a long day eating Ezel's out of takeout boxes, eating Ezel's chicken. It was so delicious. But, you know, and I also think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to be scrappy because obstacles come. And so what are some of the, the lessons that you've learned about yourself, about facing adversity, about resilience um, during this time? What are some things that you've learned? This has been a huge growth opportunity for me. And I've learned so much in the last six months. I think um, some of my key takeaways are number one, having really difficult conversations um, and like showing up for those conversations with intent and purpose and also knowing where I stand or where my business stands and where our team stands on things to um, draw some boundaries in those difficult decisions because there's a lot of things that have evolved and changed. Yeah. And I think the second thing is, the big one that sticks out to me is about team. And personally, I knew that I had a lot of growth in terms of being able to delegate and let go and trust other people. And historically, our company has always been two or three people max with contractors or people who help with different things. And I held on so tightly to everything. I didn't want to let anything go. And through this process, I realized I have to build a team. I can't do this by myself. I can't know every process. I have to 
trust and build um, build a team that I trust to handle it with the care and love that I expect. And it's been really amazing to see how our teams come together to make this all happen and work. And I, I think a strong part of that is being able to create community internally in our organization during a really challenging time. Yes. And isn't it interesting how that's what your cooking classes have been doing for teams is to bring them together in community. Tell me about some of the things those teams have experienced that have really inspired you. Yeah, we've been doing some of our cooking classes as private events for different companies and internal teams. And one of the things that we've gotten a lot of feedback on is like people have serious Zoom fatigue and they're sick of doing these happy hours or things where they're just looking at each other and talking. And one thing that we've noticed is that our classes are so interactive, like you're in the kitchen, you're doing something. So even though you're coming back and forth with the people on Zoom, you're getting your hands dirty and the real time experience of doing that with other people on your team and everybody's a little bit outside their comfort zone actually makes people feel like they're interacting more together and building a bond. Like not a lot of people have made pasta before. And so to have, um, you know, a company of eight people that are making pasta together and laughing about the fact that Eric's pasta looks terrible. Um, <laughs> it's a bonding experience that they're having. And, and we've gotten a lot of feedback that that helps them feel like they're together even when they're not. That would be me, my pasta. I love that. That's so awesome. And as you think about um, other entrepreneurs who may be struggling, like like you have pivoted and helped so many other entrepreneurs entrepreneurs internationally, what advice would you give to to other entrepreneurs right now during this time? Yeah, I I think that it's really challenging because there's no one right method for advice for any that's going to work for every company. But what I would say is that as we, as our primary service and value became obsolete, mm -hmm. one thing that I was really focused on is like this kind of decision matrix of what we're going to do next. And those things that were critical to me are how are we going to create value? How are we going to align with our mission and our vision and our core values internally? And what are we uniquely positioned to do? And I think for us, a lot of that was based around the relationships that we had. So as I had a storm of ideas at the very beginning, I was really trying to focus on what are the things that align with those three items. I love it. Staying true to your vision, staying true to your mission, and staying Which it's hard to stay focused and take a risk like that when when you're like I've never done this before but I think that's the nature of entrepreneurs that I enjoy is that adventuresome spirit of trying something yes well I can't wait to try one of your cooking classes I'm going to get some friends together and let's try to make some gnocchi or something amazing oh yes gnocchi <laughs> It's been so great talking with you, Annie. Thank you so much for Thank having you. me with me today. Thank you. All the best to you.